So we're going to talk about water to wine in the lectionary text for this week going into is it the second Sunday after Epiphany. Yeah, second mm-hmm. Sunday after Epiphany. And the John 2 text where we see Jesus in Cana performing his first miracle, turning water into wine. And I read something that I thought was kind of cool. By the way, I'm JP. I'm Diana. Yeah, I thought I think we should say that. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Are we calling this the Sacred Commons podcast? Yes. Cool. There it is. Um, and I read somebody who said, uh, I don't remember which writer wrote this, but I like the idea that Jesus wants to keep the party going. I think what they meant when they wrote that is the work that God begins, he wants to continue to do a work in your life. And we are always becoming. I don't think Jesus wants to keep, you know, we use that expression, our brains parked at the altar, mm-hmm. our minds, our hearts parked at the altar. And I don't think, well, let me rephrase that. And I also think that Christian certitude can become a, almost like an opt-out mm-hmm. for becoming. Yeah. And epiphany is the opposite of that. Epiphany is revelation, new revelation, new right. sight, new understanding, new manifestations aha Mm -hmm. sort of manifestations and water to wine i think i get it i think i see why the lectionary kind of brings that text into the frame uh because it's his first miracle it's his first sign and it it absolutely has that sort of narrative of new things yeah new wine good wine better wine but it was something that they weren't used to. So Christ continues to turn water to wine in our lives. And uh, we were thinking about this verse right here and how this this verse in Revelation speaks to the fact that he's still, the Spirit is still saying new things to the church. It's an active thing. It's not like God acted once right, and then it's over. So go ahead and read that verse. Revelations 3.22. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Quote Quote, Jesus. Quote Jesus. Is saying, right? Not has Mm -hmm. said, but is saying it. I think that continues to go on and on and on. Of course, like you you throw that too far the other way and it becomes God told me culture. Mm -hmm. But I do think that God is doing new things. I think the great emergence is such a thing. Every 500 years, Phyllis Tickle says, the church goes through a big rummage sale. Mm -hmm. We've always had these greats. And I think the great emergence that we're in right now is that new thing that God is doing. Yeah. And I don't know, like we have these notes here, but we don't have to stick to these. But speak about how the life of faith is not passive but it's active that we are always becoming but a lot of times we come from a culture where certitude some like solidifies concretizes is that a word (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but a lot of times we just think that faith we falsely identify faith with certitude and then we just solidify everything in there and the dangerous part about that is i can just speak what what i feel like it's saying and i think that there's a difference between the Christian idea of 
learning more God facts and getting to a point where you have all this knowledge so that you can have these wonderful debates with atheists (laughs) and you will, in the end, win the argument because you've learned enough and you've memorized enough Mm -hmm. and you will get them to pray the sinner's prayer with you and you will win. Proselytizing (laughs) 101. I think there's a difference between that and I think in that line of thinking, there's also this self-help type, mm-hmm. be a better person. Um, mm-hmm. It's about doing that, and it's about me getting to be the best, yeah. my Suc- best successful yeah. spirit life. Success in life culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think where Revelations 3.22 is saying, listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To me, that is a collective idea and a mm. collective who are we yeah. becoming together. Church is plural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. So one of the things that we wanted to kind of go through is this idea that when God reveals the new, you can't unsee it. And mm-hmm. this is a very crude example, but I'm thinking about the the Bird Box movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> you didn't finish it, but I'm sorry. So like oh, the yeah. Bird Box movie on Netflix. Yeah. With Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, there's people who who like are crazy and they try to get you to open your eyes. The I was whole... so tired. I was just like, I can't handle this anymore. Just fast forward. I need to see what happens in the end. The whole point. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was disturbing. But the whole point of the movie was, um, well, not the point, but the, the plot was you can't open your eyes because if you open your eyes, you'll see something that you can't unsee. And as crude as that example is, I feel like that is kind of like epiphany. You can't Mm -hmm. unsee it. When God starts doing new things in your life and starts showing you new things, and they're beautiful, right? Like Mm -hmm. to you, they're beautiful. You see how the Spirit is speaking through these things, changing you through these things, and you can't unsee it. Yeah. I, I think it's the good part is you see the beauty. I think the bad part is you see you the beauty see, and then you contrast you, that. Yeah. Like that's the story of yeah. the water to wine, right? Yeah. Like it's a story of contrast. Most of the time people wait until folks are drunk to serve the cheaper wine and then they won't have the ability to discern, mm-hmm. right? But that's the problem with epiphany is that you definitely have when new revelations are there, you have the ability to taste and see and discern and mm-hmm. You can't unsee it, you know, when you when you have when you're not drunk and you have that discernment that the spirit gives, right? Mm-hmm. In the other text is uh Corinthians yeah. that deals with that sort of yeah. the the gifts there. But once you have seen these things and you've tasted and you've discerned and the spirit's spoken, you know, mm-hmm. to you through the church, through other people, then what do you do? You can't unsee it. And so David Morrison to kind of segue to that quote. He's talking about this, these everyday revelations that God does. He says, we are invited to ask the question, Lord, how would you, how are you revealing yourself to me in a new way at this time in my life? And I feel like that's a really powerful question. Mm -hmm. Simple, Mm -hmm. but it's powerful. Like when you stop and think about it, ask yourself that question to God, ask that question to God. Uh, Lord, how are you revealing yourself in new ways? How would you, how are you revealing yourself anew to me at this time in my life? That's that's a really dangerous question. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask it, but 
be go into that sober-mindedly knowing that when you see something new it's going to do something new in your life and with that comes outrageous blessing and at the same time mm-hmm. oh man if if you're experiencing something new but somebody else isn't they're going to wonder why yeah. and what is it about you compared to me i don't get it why can't you stay like me uh and i don't want to you know i'm not trying to say i'm saying this happens to everyone Mm -hmm. everybody when you go through these new wine experiences so if we're listening closely and we're open to newness of life i think god will always take the watery watered down places of our lives and transform them into rich and flavorful robust wine and that's the theme of brian zahn's water to wine book uh it's one of the themes in there and i definitely definitely suggest that people read that book it's easy well i don't know if it's easy but i think it's an easy read and it's it's wonderful it's his story some of his story i have a funny wine story go so oh i know where this is going (laughs) we went for our first like wine tasting you need to preface by saying you grew up in a christian school Right. I grew up in a household that were teetotalers. We did not partake. Uh, so you grew up in a Christian school. Right. In our in our context growing up, when we had communion, it was definitely grape the juice. juice. So straight up well. There baby. wasn't even wine <laughs> at communion where that is correct. Where you would expect it to be. So yeah, so that's our background. So we go for a wine tasting and it's one of those things where you pay so much and then you can like taste all the different ones they have. <laughs> and so he's trying to be helpful, the guy who is helping us out with the wine tasting. And he's like, so what's your favorite flavor? Do you like sweet? Do you like dry? And I'm like, I don't know. No, <laughs> you said. Like, no, he said, well, what's your favorite? Was that's it, right. Say, what's, what's your, your favorite, favorite beverage or flavor drink? Flavor or something like that. He asked that? you what your favorite drink was. Yeah. and it, No, I think it was like flavor. Okay, what's your and favorite my, And I was like, water. water. <laughs> there you go. There's water, right? All I knew was water. Yep. So, and then when I tasted all the different wines and, you know. Start to develop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it it is it's a big difference between mm-hmm. water and wine. Your palate can change over time. It will. Yeah. And I think what God does in our spirits, in our hearts, in our lives, is he takes those those things you got to start somewhere mm-hmm. and that's beautiful god's there so like for those of you listening who have gone through these journeys i saw a tweet by jonathan martin and it was shared with me to me from a friend rich our friend and he the quote from jonathan martin i don't remember it in detail but it says something like you know don't I don't want to say like degrade. I I can't remember his language, but it was like, don't knock the past. God was there too. Mm -hmm. And even if you come from these places and you've deconstructed or modified or grown or evolved. And, and, you know, I think what's crazy is that applies to even the generation that comes before us. People who came from a lot of them in our world came from a Catholic background, a more liturgical sacramental background. Then they were either part of the Jesus movement or the charismatic uh, revivals that took place or the, you know, this migration right. that came into the Pentecostal charismatic world. Um, and then they look at the past and they kind of, you know, knocked it. Some of them. 
instead of realizing that God was at work there too. Right. Laying the foundation for them to enter into the space that they entered into. So like, we don't want to make that mistake. Mm -hmm. So if you've gone through that process and you've journeyed and you've pilgrimed, uh, you've been on a pilgrimage, um, I think an important note would be recognize that God was there too. Right. Uh, and he uses water. Yeah. He may transform the water into wine, yeah. but he has them fill the vessels with water. You got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah. So for us, uh, those watered down places, um, we, if we had to identify what were the watered down places, the watery places in our lives, I have some, I'll say some, you, you spin off of that. But I think there were areas that we, as individuals and as communities of faith, we would see what's happening and admit and confess what we say in the song, Come Thou Fount, that we indeed are prone to wonder. And we started to see these wondering places in our communities where we've wandered off track a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think as people and as a people, we miss the mark and, and our cultures miss the mark and in the church, we can see this sort of need for recalibrating. So if you look at the story, the steward calls the bridegroom over and he says to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you've kept the good wine until now. And I think it's common for us not to notice how inferior the stuff we're drinking is. I think that's very common. Because we become intoxicated in the, th the culture that we're in. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes really hard to know what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. Because we're so ingrained in that. It's intoxicating. And then we lose our ability to discern. And we become intoxicated by the things that surround us. But then something happens, right? Then there's an epiphany. Then there's a revelation. Then there's a new vision, new sight. And we taste better things that God brings into our lives. And then there's an exchange. There's a transformation of the watery things into wine. And for us, the watery places were things that were lacking, perhaps even a little bit unauthentic. Things like cliche bumper sticker, what Don calls cliche bumper sticker evangelicalism. I feel like that has now translated to like posts on Facebook. They're That's like nice, the yeah. t-shirts have become these Mm -hmm. I don't know if a meme is the right word, but... No, for sure. Like, yeah. Like quotes. That <laughs> yeah. are Jesus quotes. Yes, th that culture is still present. They have mm -hmm. devotional books. They have, um, yeah, quotes that you can find on Facebook. Yeah. They have conferences. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that cheap, paper-thin civil religion, cheap certitude, guys that's faith people who say two corinthians <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll just keep going um i saw it in ecclesial apartheid that was a watery place for me the sort of uh ecclesial supremacy mm. thinking that we are the ones that got it all figured out yeah. anytime i yeah. hear uh, i can't remember the quote by joan chittister but she said something like oh man i'm gonna mess this up beware of religion that turns you against one another it's unlikely that it's any religion at all. Not that we can't have distinctions, but we can celebrate those distinctions 
we can lovingly, uh, with kindness, celebrate those distinctions. I got really, really worn out every time I would make a move towards another tradition of the faith, another branch in the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. Every time I would, you know, extend an interest and this is painful and I'm not trying to like put anyone on blast. It, it's very common. You probably have had this experience if you've been in a similar situation that we're describing. But we would have people come to us and say, oh, well, you know that they and fill in the blank. Right. And always offering a criticism, really building up that ecclesial apartheid mentality. Right. That I have my tribe and everyone who's outside of my tribe is wrong, in error, um, different, the other. So, yeah that became a watery place ecclesial apartheid became a watery place faith in faith culture became a watery place word of faith that sort of thing name it and claim it blab it and grab it um i can't i forget the rest of them <laughs> speak it in uh, i can't remember spray it. now say it not spray it <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember um, but yeah, faith in faith, not faith in God, but faith in faith. Basically, what faith in faith is, I think, is when you put a lot of weight on human efficacy. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on my efforts, I, I'm going to be healed because of my faith. I'm, this is going to happen because of my faith. I'm going to get that job because of my faith, my actions. Instead of recognizing God as a gracious God, it's unmerited, right? I sowed that seed. I sowed that seed. <laughs> and I wrote on the envelope what yeah. it was for my husband and now I'm <laughs> I basically bought my husband um, with a $300 seed <laughs> sound like a you sound like you're from the wisdom I can't say hey. Fort, Fort Worth, Texas all I can say is Double Tree Hotel Double Tree Hotel okay Fort Worth, Texas Fort Worth um, yeah so that became a watery place. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the things Western Christians, specifically like Western evangelicals, had unfortunately become known for, like anti-gay, hypocritical, judgmental. There's a good book called Unchristian. All the data's there in terms of what the Barna Research Group mm-hmm. has been collecting over the years. But yeah, just watery, harmful, prosperity gospel, success in life like you were talking about. Yeah. That became watery, TED Talkish sort of motivational, inspirational speeches instead of gospel-centered sermons and homilies. I mean, these were all Mm -hmm. watery places for me and for you, too. Yeah. Reductionistic atonement theologies that were more about escaping hell than loving God, more about getting a ticket to heaven. Jesus is a means to an end. It's an act of self-preservation, not devotion and not not following Christ. Um, Oh, yeah. Mass-produced soda-like. This is Brian's on. He said, mass-produced soda-like Christian pop culture. Individualism, consumerism, materialism. All of these things that sociologists have been telling us are in the church at an equal rate, if not higher, sometimes. Copying and pasting the mall liturgy into yeah. the church. The, the liturgy of the mall, the liturgy of the rock concert. Swapping substance for entertainment. Became, I could go on and on and on. These were watery places. And and I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I got tired of it. Became a little bit, um, after a while, man, you just say to yourself, what are we doing? Anyways, watery places. For me, watery places, 
it's more than just I think for me there's a lot that's more deep rooted um unspoken things like xenophobic mm. misogynistic homophobic mm. like all of these we, we gather around these things that we're against yeah, and things that we're afraid of mm-hmm. things yeah. that we're standing against yeah and it, it you, you're you're in it and you don't even realize it or at least i didn't because i grew up in that so i didn't realize wait a minute I've mm-hmm. never seen a woman be the pastor of a church or, you know, yeah, they can come and preach, but only if they can sing and they better be pretty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and in certain, just, in certain circles. Yeah. yeah, And I don't, I don't know. I, I think that there is a lot of watery things that I don't realize until I'm in a space now where, you know, people are embraced and loved in a way that, I wasn't used to. Mm, that's good. I think a, a lack of concern for social justice right. was an issue. The corporal works of mercy, mm-hmm. feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, those without a home, those without clothes, the sick, those in prison. Yeah. I mean, we knew we were supposed to do it. Everybody had Matthew 25 in their Bibles, but... It just wasn't a priority. In fact, I, I actually think we demonized those folks. Yeah. Or we at least diminished them or we assigned blame to the to them. Yeah. Like we had no mind for oppression well, and I th- injustice. I think there was a small amount of a heart for that if they were people from a different country. Oh, right, and right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the so, poor of we, Mexico, we grew, the poor of We grew of Africa, up right. in an extreme... Um, mm-hmm. missionary-minded yeah. type culture just from being in a Christian school yep. and the organization that we grew up in. Um, very much missions-minded when it came to world missions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we often neglected the the things that yeah. here at home were, were needed. We so. flew over mission fields to go to mission fields. Mm-hmm. And then the mission fields in our backyard where there were plenty of poor people. Yeah, we actually assign blame to them for their own poverty, and uh, I don't say we, but I've seen it happen. I've also seen, to be fair, really good-hearted people within Western evangelicals, and I've seen good there too. But that was a watery place. Yeah, and then you know, the prevalence of abuse and greed. Mm-hmm. Racism, you were talking about this, D, yeah. sexism, ageism, yeah. bigotry. Yeah. Not just ignored within the church, but at its worst, justified in the church. Right. Through scripture, the abuse of scripture. These were all watery places, but I don't want to end there. So, like, we don't want to go, they were watery, good night, you know, like, or <laughs> finish. I don't want to finish with that. Um, we got to talk about the wine. Yeah. And so here's the pattern, right? And I was thinking about this. This is the pattern we see in this text. So Jesus to the servants to the steward. And and I think that is exactly what happens. It's always through relationships. It's always through people. It's always through voices. It's always through those folks that have received something from Jesus and give it to you. Yeah. And 
oh, this part's going to get me excited. Well, and I think that's <laughs> that's how, if you ask me the question, how is your how is our water transformed into wine? I would immediately say, start looking for those servants of God that are mm-hmm. bringing you good stuff. Yeah. And it's always going to happen. Jesus transforms us. He transforms people uh, that serve him, and then they bring that to you, and you'll never be the same again. Yeah. So that epiphany, that manifestation, that revelation, that miracle, that sign comes through the voices, the friendships, the people, the, the wonderful folks that love you through this change mm-hmm. and so into you through that change. And it always happens through all those through other people yeah. who love you and serve you something better than mm-hmm. what you're drinking. And for us that like it I can think back literally when the Iraq war happened, the second one. Uh, 9-11, right? Let's go back to 2001. I remember when that went down, I was at, in our dorm room. No, not our dorm. We were living in an apartment by then. And uh, I remember that I was angry, right? I think everybody was mad. And immediately when the drums of war started to beat, you know, we were all for it. I was all for it. I remember friends of, of mine, you know, including myself, even thinking about this, like, well, is it now time to join the military? Never had been a thought, not even on the radar. And now we're thinking, okay, is it time to sign up? And I remember I was having this sort of, you know, talk with a friend of mine. I won't say his name. He's a good friend still to this day. And we were talking about this and I was saying, yeah, we need to go to war. We need to do this and that. And he stopped me actually in our, he didn't go to our church, but he stopped me when we were in our church. And he said, do you really think that's what Jesus would want? Mm. And that was the first time. Talk about, uh, you know, water to wine comes through the servants that bring them small doses, sips here and there, right? Yeah. Of new wine. And he said, do you really think that's what Jesus would want? Yeah. And that was the first time anyone in my life, I was raised in church. Mm Mm-hmm. That was the first time anyone in my life had presented a nonviolent Christ to me mm-hmm. who would challenge war. Well, yeah, because we went to a Christian school and our, our name, we were the warriors. War- yeah, so- <laughs> absolutely. Crusades, war. Like, you have this language in, G- in evangelical culture. We yeah. totally justified war. Yeah. And not only did we justify war, we consecrated it. We blessed it. Because it's in it's in God's name that we're doing this, right? Yeah. So we overlaid American religious nationality. It was this conflation of yeah, religious sanctuary, pa- Christian flag on yeah, one yeah, yeah. side, American flag on the other. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so that was the first time. I don't know if I'm going to put that in there, but that was the first time <laughs> yeah. that anyone had ever challenged the idea that Jesus would would not endorse war Mm -hmm. and that started a journey for me i I became so bothered by that comment like who does he think he is Mm -hmm. of course jesus justifies war of course jesus would have us go to war let's find out what jesus has to say about this and as soon as i started to look up teachings of the teachings of jesus i i remember i became so interested in that subject i went and bought that book the hard sayings of jesus ff bruce Mm -hmm. and that was the first idea. That was the first time that Jesus could teach anything hard. I grew up. Jesus was assumed. It, mm-hmm. Jesus was natural. It was whatever we're doing. That's what Jesus would bless. What do you mean? There's something hard about Jesus? But that book, and I'm not even affirming the theology of F. F. Bruce. I'm just saying the idea that something Jesus taught would be hard. 
was foreign to me. And so I went and started to re- read and, and look into what did Jesus say about violence? What did Jesus say about war? And man, that was water to wine right there. Yeah. Just from and, that conversation. And then Shane Claiborne. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then follow that up. That was around 2003, right? Shock and awe campaign, yada, 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 all that stuff. In 2004, we go to Florida. Mm-hmm. Here's another water to wine moment. One Wednesday night, we're in church. I won't say the name of the church, but we're sitting there in church. It's, would you say it's a mega church? Mm-hmm. Pentecostal, classical Pentecostal mega church. And the pastor gets up and he says, he says the name of the church. He always would say the name of the church. It was two syllables. Blank, blank. Are you in for a treat tonight? I want you to put your hands together and welcome to the pulpit, Bishop, you say it. Veron Ash. Bishop Veron Ash. Now, I am not at all, this is not an endorsement of Bishop Veron Ash, but it changed our lives. Because for the first time, and he ended up having a, I don't know what you call it, what you would call it, like a residency there for a year. We sat under his teaching, under his preaching. But this was in, uh, uh, an, uh, how do you describe Veron Ash? He was a force. He was a strange anomaly in the kingdom of God. He was this holy ordered, ordained bishop who knew just as much about church history and the Desert Fathers as he did about Pentecostal hooping and shouting and hollering. He wore vestments. I remember that was the Mm -hmm. first time I ever sat under any pastor, any preacher, any bishop who wore vestments. I remember looking at his his clothes and saying, this is different. Mm -hmm. You look like something out of a Catholic church wearing a cassock and all that, but you preach like like you're coming straight out of a Pentecostal tradition. Yeah. And the crazy part was we only lived there for a, a year, year, like maybe a little, little bit more than a year, which lined up exactly when with he was there. When he was there for just about a year, and yeah, it really did have an impact. I don't think we realized at, at the, the time, time we didn't know. Yeah. how much. Mm-hmm. But and he would wax and wane. Mm-hmm. He would go back and forth between the liturgical sacramental to the most Pentecostal moments. Mm-hmm. That you would ever that you'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and most of the, none of the folks in, in that church were sacramental or or at all mindful right. of their own right. liturgy. Right? No one else wore vestments. Nobody. It, yeah. But but this dude would get up there and just I don't know. Like, and I'm not making it all about his personality, but what this what the spirit did through him was unique. Mm-hmm. And that was a water to wine moment. Yeah. Now I'm not. Yeah. I am not endorsing him or mm-hmm. anything about him. I'm just saying, for us, that experience was a water to wine moment. Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Uh, and then in 2006, you said it already, we walk into Barnes & Noble, and I see this book on the shelf. It's new. I'd never heard of this guy before. But for some reason, the title drew, drew me in, and it was called The Irresistible Revolution by Shane Claiborne. Water to wine moment. Yeah. 
The list goes on and on and on. I don't want to bore people with our story, but there are so many moments. The neo-monastic movement, water wine moment, following... Um, Oh, and, and, and then in 2007, 2008, we went to Sojourners in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Both of those marches, we were there mm-hmm. talking with folks like Shane and Tony Campolo. Talked with him. Dr. Ron Sider. Life-changing moments, water to wine. Always because of people, mm-hmm. right? People willing yeah. to talk to you, yeah. people willing to share with you. Dr. Tony Campolo came to Westminster. Westminster. And yeah. we got a chance to talk to him there, too. I'll never forget. just yeah. sat by the lake. Yep. And he was the most gracious guy. Yeah. Unpacking nonviolence to us. Yep. And the biblical hermeneutic for nonviolence. Like, just, just spending time with literally young, naive, still, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I think we'll say that about ourselves now. Yeah. But young naive kids without any we didn't have any money to give him we didn't have any any uh validity to give him there was no platform that we had we just asked him will you talk to us he he literally had someone drop him off by the lake we set up a camera and we just talked to him water to wine moment Mm -hmm. the servant of christ bringing something to us saying taste this yeah uh and then the list goes on and on and on we started reading we started um getting involved with the spiritual disciplines i remember a fast that i that i took in 2009 that changed my life uh brian zahn around that same time we started listening to him Mm -hmm. him breaking down easy cheesy cotton candy christianity Mm -hmm. uh reading hauerwas and yoder in 2011 we started to study these guys and nt wright and brueggemann and one transformation after another, just going yeah. through this process, right? Water to wine. And then came Merton and Roar and Thich Nhat Hanh. And, and then in 2014, I was invited to this conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma to film. It was called the Praxis Conference. Changed my life. I heard voices like Chris C., Cheryl Bridges-Johns, Glenn Packiam, Sarah Bessie, Aaron Nyquist, Bishop Quentin Moore, Dr. Chris Green, Bishop Quentin Moore, who is now our presiding bishop in the CEC, because in 2015, Mm -hmm. another water to wine moment, uh, I became a friend of an order. uh, You would call it a neo-monastic order, you could Mm -hmm. say that. Uh, The Order of St. Anthony. And we became oblates, Diane and I did. Yep. Now we're deacons in the CEC, which is the Communion of Evangelical Episcopal Churches. All along the journey... All along that pilgrim's pathway, there have been people who loved us through the change, who were kind, not forceful, not demanding, but kind, drawing us in, saying, we think this might be something. I mean, like even our friends that invited us, and we think you might like this, right? Yeah. Water to wine. It always happens through those relationships that God puts in your life. Some, the servants that draw that out of the the jar and bring it to you. Mm-hmm. Say, taste this. Yeah. Oh, and here we are. Yeah. Lots of books. Books, podcasts. <laughs> Lots of podcasts. Lots of interviews. We're always like interviewing people. 
because mm -hmm. we're either doing a podcast or we're making a movie. Oh, guys, we have there, There's archives. a lot of unreleased movies and podcasts <laughs> that will be coming out oh, in about 30 or 40 years. Yo, John Luke and Maudie, there are archives. It's I, up to you. I feel like I'm the prince <laughs> of podcasts. I, most of my material is unreleased. It will be released after we're dead. <laughs> I hope my hard drives make it. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. We've lost stuff along the way because hard drives go. And said, no. We got most of we it. Had an, we had an edit of a well, movie. We're so old that some of that stuff is on mini DV. Yeah. Tapes. So, um, but yeah, uh, Wolf, Jonathan Wilson Hardcrove, Wendell Berry, Renee Girard, Barbara Brown Taylor, Diana specifically, and I will, uh, I will double that up. I'll ditto that. Joan Chittister, mm -hmm. Diana Butler Bass, Amos Young, James K. A. Smith, mm -hmm. Brad Jerzak, Jonathan Martin, yeah. Brian McLaren, the folks at Missio Alliance. Yeah. I mean, the list goes yeah. on and on and on. Relationship after relationship, people after people. But they're kind enough and loving enough that they've spoken into our lives, shared something good with us. We've tasted that water yeah. that has become wine. And we'll never be the same. And I think that's a good place to wrap it up, right? I didn't want to end with water. We got to end yeah, with wine. Yeah. But the joy of it all and the pain of it all, like that's, we need to say this. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't want to do this miracle, right? Mm -hmm. he, he pushed back a little bit. It's not, nah, not now, right? I think the reason why is because new revelation will always bring controversy. These manifestations will always bring controversy. There will always be people who see what's happening mm -hmm. in either they haven't experienced that yet so it makes them feel isolated or it makes them question their identity uh, and that makes people uncomfortable and I think that's the tension that you see with Jesus and his manifestations always like rocking yeah. the institution I the temple cult I think tension's the right word there's that tension yeah he always like kept mm -hmm. his he, he would always heal people say shh mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to get into that much heat yet. Yeah. His signs would get him into trouble. And Epiphany is seeing, and it's a new dawn breaking. And the good part about that light that shines, the good part about light is that it reveals. And the bad part about light is that it yeah. reveals. Yeah. And that's the good bad. That's the best worst. The worst best thing that happens mm -hmm. to you is that the light reveals and the, the the best part about it is that it reveals and the worst part about it is that it reveals because once you see something you can't unsee it and it's going to create uh tension and distinction and, and contrast some people may not like the newness they may not like that revelation they, they may call it something painful or hurtful but there's no going back and you tell me. Yeah, don't be afraid of it. That's what I would say. Say that again. Don't be afraid of it. You can't be afraid of maybe being in a space where you're the different one or you're you think things differently or it's okay. You can you can be that. Yeah. It's all right. You don't have to. Can I add something yeah. to that? I you also don't have to think be afraid. when when God does something new in your life, but it's not new for other people. And you find yourself entering into new spheres and new circles and new places, new territory. But there have been folks there for a long time. Yeah. And then you're the new guy. Yeah. It's intimidating. Well, and I want to say, like, don't de demean that. Don't diminish your role in that. Mm -hmm. um, 
because you bring something with you too. Right. You right. have something right. from like God has always been at work in your life and yeah. don't degrade. I like what Brian Zahn says, like pack your bags, mm-hmm. right? Don't just leave. You bring yeah. stuff with you. Right. And so whatever is in your bag that you cherish that was worth bringing with you, mm-hmm. pull that out and say, this is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing that I have with me. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we're going to go somewhere, Madi, she wants to grab a purse. She has a whole bin of purses and she'll grab a purse and she'll put all these tiny things in her purse. <laughs> and then when she gets to the destination and we're sitting and we're waiting for whatever's going to happen, uh-huh. she'll get her purse out <laughs> and in a very Montessori way, She'll take each small item out of her purse, one at a time, these tiny treasures that to us might not mean much, a calculator, a little mirror, uh, a pen, and she'll, she'll line them up and she'll, she'll take each treasure out because they all, they all mean something to her. They all matter. And I think that when we, when we are going through these experiences, each, each thing along the way is one of those small things that that we take and we bring with us. And when we get there, we, we take them out and we look at them and, and we put them next to each other That's and we, we have them all there. That's beautiful. We don't, we don't go without them. I love that. That's beautiful language. Uh, you can't say any better. I want to just read this as we close this out. Um, and this goes right along with uh, you, you pack your bags. You have, you, you're in a new space. There's something new. But then you have something old with you too, or mm-hmm. something that you brought along with you. And I was saying, we're, we are now finding ourselves in a more sacramental uh, context, mm-hmm. something that um, might be a little bit new for folks that come from the evangelical, charismatic background, Pentecostal background that we have. But like you were saying with Maudie, you know, we packed our bags. We, don't, we didn't leave it all behind. Mm-hmm. And there's new things and there's old things. And I like that verse in Matthew 13. And we, we throw this up on just about every post that we do with the sacred commons where Jesus said, then you see, this is uh, Jesus talking in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse 52. Then you see how every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything, anything you need old or new, exactly when you need it. And I think no matter where you come from, whether you are historical, sacramental uh, liturgy that has a very rooted tradition within the historic church, or if you're a charismatic, you know, um, Pentecostal free church, no matter where you come from, I think this new thing that God is doing, if you ask me, what's the new thing God is doing? What is the great emergence or the great convergence that God is doing? I think people from all walks of life, young, old, middle-aged, from all different ethnic backgrounds, from all different traditions, never before, I've heard this said, have the lines of denominations been so thin. And people are coming from all different backgrounds and they're coming together And this is what they're saying. We want the collective wisdom of the church, the collective wisdom of the church as led by the Spirit. This is James K.A. Smith. The collective wisdom of the church as led by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And people are now stepping into 
different territories. But the good student, the well-trained student of the kingdom is that person who can put his hands on anything you need, old and new, old or new, new or old, exactly when you need it. And there's new wine. And my prayer for you as we close out this podcast is that you would listen to the voice of God to go back to the beginning. I want you to ask the question, Lord, how would you, how are you revealing yourself to me in a new way at this time in my life? And be open to what the Spirit is saying. And can I add to that? I think Mm -hmm. we also need to ask collectively together, Lord, how would you and how are you revealing yourself to us in a new That's way yeah. at this time in our lives? And as Revelations 3.22 said, Lord, let us have ears to hear. Ears to hear. And listen to the Spirit and understand what you're saying to us as the church. Amen. Amen. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Commons podcast. It makes us glad that you're interested. Our prayer is that we can be a part of your journey towards God. The Sacred Commons is a new convergent church in the city of Youngstown, Ohio. Convergence is simply the desire for the accumulated wisdom of the body of Christ led by the Spirit throughout the life of the church. We know that there's a growing realization that what really matters in the church is not the division, but what we have in common. And we know that when our worship has common form, it reinforces our unity, which Jesus said is central for the witness of the church. We agree with Dallas Willard, who said, Christ's body comes together not by administrative actions, but by the actions of individuals who begin to step across the line and invest in the unity of the body. And that's our heart. As Christ prayed for all believers, that we may all be one. Not only do we think that it's possible, we believe by God's grace, it's inevitable. If this resonates with you, join us by doing three things. Number one, check out thesacredcommons.com and take a look around. You'll find our service time, our location, copy down our address, and start to make plans to visit and worship with us. We would love to see you there. Number two, partner with us. It's as easy as clicking give on our website. Every single donation has an immediate impact. And number three, and most importantly, please pray for us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Peace.